Hey, Jimmy Murphy here with Pierre Maguire, and this is the Eye Test on the Sick Podcast Network. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast. The Eye Test with Pierre Maguire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond The Sickest NHL Podcast. It's going to be sick. Hey, Jimmy Murphy here, back with Pierre Maguire, and uh, welcome to our brand new podcast. Uh, it's called The Eye Test here on the Sick Podcast Network. And I'll tell you, Pierre, that uh, that segment we hear coming in there, that clip of Ray Bork finally hoisting the Stanley Cup there. Well, I'll tell you what, after 22 years in this business, to be able to do this podcast with you right now, that's how I feel, buddy. Well, thanks, Jimmy. I feel the same way uh, working with you. I got to tell you, last night, I'm in Toronto right now for the Hockey Hall of Fame inductions, which will take place on Monday night. But last night, I was invited to a dinner by the Lacroix family. Pierre Lacroix, the former general manager and the late general manager of the Colorado Avalanche, is going into the hall tonight. And I recruited both of his sons, Martin and Eric, uh, to St. Lawrence University when I coached there. And I have to tell you, I was invited to this dinner. And at the dinner with Raymond Bork, Patrick Roy, Joe Sackick, Denny Savard, Michel Goulet, it, it was, Peter Forsberg. It was an amazingly emotional night, Jimmy. It was an amazingly educational night. But the way Raymond Bork spoke and the way Patrick Roy spoke, it was eye-opening, and it w- was amazingly emotional, amazingly. And it was such a great night for the Lacroix family and a celebration about Pierre Lacroix and his entire career. That's great. And obviously you had the pleasure of knowing him, Pierre, before we get into it, uh, just what was your relationship like with Pierre and, and, you know, just talk about what he meant to the game. Uh, We had a tremendous relationship. It started way, way back when I started to recruit his son, uh, Martin. And then I eventually started to recruit Eric as well, who went on to play with distinction in the national hockey league. Um, The thing about Pierre was he's an amazingly passionate person about family, about cultivating friendships And he never thought he knew more than everybody else. He was always picking your brain, always trying to find out a different way to do something or a different way to be perceived in the hockey community. And I I have to tell you, um, there were times when I'm sure he was mad at me, especially when I was on TV. Uh, But more times than not, we had an amazingly fruitful and, and positive relationship. Yeah, you know, that's a great lesson there, especially for younger folks out there, you know, getting into this business, into NHL media or whether you want to get into sports management or what have you, what you said there about him always wanting to learn, always wanting to learn how he can be better and, and pick the brand of people. And Pierre, you know, you've had the pleasure of another legend in the game, uh, being close to him and picking his brain for so many years. And that's Scotty Bowman. Um, just what have you learned over the years from Scotty? I imagine similar lessons that you did from Pierre as well. Yeah, no, you know, one of the distinct honors I've had in my career, Jimmy, was to be hired by Scotty Bowman, Craig Patrick, and the late Bob Johnson, being roommates with Scotty Bowman for almost two years uh, in Pittsburgh, winning two Stanley Cups with all three of those gentlemen. Uh, But Scotty has been my mentor for over 30 years now, and I'm forever grateful. And he's 90 years of age right now. He's here in Toronto to celebrate the inductees that are going in tonight. And I've learned so much. It would take five podcasts, Jimmy, on the eye test for me to get through a Scotty Bowman tutorial. But here's what I would tell you. He is the most trusted and the most revered friend you could ever have. If he chooses to be your friend, he is loyal as a day is long. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal person. 
Yeah, and you know what, Pierre, you introduced me to him way back, and I, I've had the pleasure of interviewing him on uh, our, our mutual friend Mitch Melnick's show up in yeah. TSN 690 in Montreal many times. And and now, you know, just to to have a guy like him in my phone where I can just text him up <laughs> and talk about hockey, it, it's yeah. pretty surreal. And it's amazing at his age, Pierre, how sharp he still is. Well, what people don't realize, I was doing an interview with some Montreal journalists this morning here at the hotel in Toronto, and what people don't realize, he's 90 years of age, um, but he's still got a mind that's working as if he's 25 to 30. Yeah. Uh, he watches every game in the league. Uh, he travels. Whenever there's a game in Tampa, more nights than not, he drives from his home in Sarasota by himself to the games in Tampa. The Tampa Bay Lightning have treated him so well. They give him a parking uh, place in the back of the rink. He walks right into the elevator, goes up to the press box. But I'll do reports with him after games, Jimmy. And it's still like we're coaching together. It's unbelievable the intensity that he has. And it's so much fun to be around. But he's a marvel. Uh, he's obviously a living legend. And uh, the hockey world is better off with having Scotty Bowman around it. For sure. And I'm sure we'll get him on this uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. soon He'll probably wait. yell at you, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I love it. It's a good yelling to take. Hey, listen, Pierre, you're at the Hockey Hall of Fame. And, the, you know, we're not going to get way ahead of ourselves and then say that he's a surefire Hall of Famer. But he could very well end up there someday. And that's the rookie sensation for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks right now, Connor Bedard. And look, Pierre, we see players come into this league, number one picks, number two pick, you know, top 10 picks, hyped up, and, and lots of acclaim coming into the league. And it doesn't always go as planned, or sometimes it takes a while. I think when you look at maybe uh, the 2022 pick uh, overall, Yuri Slavkovsky, I still think he's going to be a great player in this league, but it's, it's a progression for him. But Connor Bedard has come in and been as advertised right off the bat. And Pierre, you were watching one of his goals the other night. I think it was his second one he scored uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning in, in a big upset there by the Blackhawks. And you pointed out something to me. Why don't you talk to our viewers about it? Well, it's just his peripheral vision. It's his awareness. It's uh, spatial awareness. The, the ability, excuse me, to make the players around him better. Jimmy, this guy understands hockey as well or better than anybody that's playing at a high level right now. And to think that he's only 18 years of age, the future is so bright for him. It's amazingly bright for the Chicago Blackhawks. And it's not about numbers. Yes, he's going to put up gigantic numbers over the course of his career. But if you watch this goal, watch what he does as a right-hand shot in the neutral zone. Look at how he turns his head to recognize where Nick Felino is. Watch how he passes a puck on his backhand through the legs of Nikita Kucherov. But the thing that blows me away is, Jimmy, it's his awareness to know, okay, Anthony Sorelli's coming back to back check on him, one of the better defensive players in the National Hockey League. Yeah. And he pulls away from Sorelli to make himself an available target for Felino, and then watch the composure as he finishes a playoff on his backhand. This is a thing of beauty, Jimmy. You can't teach us. You can go to hockey school the rest of your life. You'll never yeah. be able to make that play unless you have the skill set of Connor Bedard. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and we'll we'll play this goal right now. Started off hot. They got a power play goal from Sorelli. They took a 2-1 lead when Kucherov scored, but Chicago answered back with a couple of quick ones. Here's another chance. Big save, and it is in. Johansson got the pad down, but the kid has done it again. And obviously, for rights reasons, we can't show the actual video here, so I urge everyone to just check it out on YouTube. Just... Type in Connor Bedard goal, Tampa Bay Lightning. That's the first one that comes up. It's going to be a highlight real one for the rest of the season. But 
Pierre, you know, it, we were just talking about, you know, all the, the video that, that Scotty watches or you watch, you know, nonstop. How much are, you, are kids like Connor coming into the league? How, how more used to that are they than, say, players 20 years ago where they really study video and scout players? You mentioned Sorelli there. It seemed like maybe he knew that was going to happen there because that's what Sorelli does. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Jimmy. I think the truth of the matter is video, most of these young players coming in today, they're not audio listeners and learners. They're visual learners because mm -hmm. of computers and, and Xbox and all these different things that the young people play with today. And if you're coaching in the league today and you're not using video as an advantage, as a teaching tool, you're probably not going to make your players better. And one of the things that has to happen in the NHL today because of the salary cap, Jimmy, players need to get better at the NHL level. Skill development at the NHL level is really important. And it's yeah. not just a physical exercise. It's a mental exercise too, Jimmy. And I think that's one of the things that you talk about the tape for the young players. That's part of the mental exercise that helps them get better. And they've got, you know, such easy access to it now compared to when you were digging through VHS tapes, right? <laughs> and my shoulders used to get sore. We used to go reel to reel, hand to hand. And it was tough. I'm telling you, oh, wow. when you were doing playoff series and you, you had to make tapes and back then not everybody was chartering. Trust me, we had a lot of late nights. Yeah, um, it, it was tough. I mean, making tapes reel to reel is not the same as punching a computer keypad. Yeah, and it's it's just amazing to me when I look down and I see the guys on the bench with the you know the iPads, looking at the plays, getting ready to go out for the next shift. I mean, I, I never thought I'd see that day, and it must be the same for you, Pierre. But it, it is. It's revolutionary. It's revolutionized the game, and I just think that you know the fact that these young kids want to do it, that, mm -hmm. that they they have it, that desire to do it, that's going to help them so much more. But you know, looking around the league before we switch over to topics, because obviously the hottest topic right now, and it's. You know, it's a bit depressing as well because somebody lost their job as the Edmonton Oilers. We'll get to that in a second. But looking around the league here, Connor Bedard is not the only great rookie going in this league right now. Talk to me about some of the other guys that have caught your eye. Well, Adam Fantilli, obviously, in, in Columbus, uh, maybe the numbers aren't great right now because the team's kind of struggling, but he's a dynamic player. I watched him play at Kimball Union Academy. I watched him play at the University of Michigan. I watched him play with the Chicago Steel um, he passes the eye test, Jimmy. Uh, Leo Carlson with the Anaheim Ducks is another guy, second overall, one pick ahead of Fantilli. Yeah. He's been tremendous out in Los Angeles. His representative is Matt Cater. Uh, he's got a brilliant future. Um, he's big. He's strong. He'll remind you a lot of Sasha Barkov down in Florida, so there's another good young player. But the thing that's exciting to me is that the well's not dry. There's so many good ones. There's a great player Macklin Celebrini will probably be the first overall pick in next summer's draft. He plays at Boston University uh, for Jay Pandolfo. He's leading the country right now in shorthanded goals. He's got three. He's 18 years old, Jimmy. I mean, this is a special, special talent. Um, and every night he's stockpiling two and three assists at a time. So we're going to get him eventually onto the show. We're going to get a lot of top prospects onto the show, whether they've been drafted, like Cutter Goche at Boston College playing for Greg Brown yeah. there. He's off to a tremendous start. We're going to get all these young players on and tell their stories to the viewers out there and the listeners out there because that's what the eye test is all about. It's not about numbers. Mm -hmm. It's about guys passing the eye test. Yeah, for sure. And you've scouted so much, Pierre, and – I, I wonder too, like that, that is a big dilemma in, in the game today, right? Is analytics taking over and some teams lean too much that way. Some teams don't lean enough that way. How do you find that balance in, in your opinion to combine it 
and make it a useful tool, but also not steal away from the eye test. Both sides have to be mature. They have to listen to one another. If I'm talking about an analytics department has to pay attention to the boots on the ground scouts and the mm -hmm. boots on the ground scouts have to pay attention with respect to the analytic people. And I think if you can create that harmony internally so that everybody says, no, my way is the only way or my way is the only way and get everybody to understand they can help one another. I think that's the best way to make it work. Um, I would tell you this right now. There are numbers that really do matter, you know, turnover rates, uh, high danger chances, things like that. Those matter. Those yep. matter a lot. Uh, four checks, hits, those things matter. Face-offs, face-off plays, those yep. things matter. But then how do you measure the size of a man's heart in a one-on-one -on -one battle? How do you measure uh, the size of a person's willingness to block a shot, which is a big part of the game today? You can't. There's no analytic formula for that. So until there is one, that's where the analytics community has to rely on the boots on the ground scouts. And until we find, you know, better ways of doing it, both sides, in order to really work well, they have to communicate and respect one another. Are there any teams, you don't have to get into the details of why or why not, but are there any teams that you found that you, you seem to think have found that harmony? Yes, there are. There's some teams that really have. Um, Detroit would be one of them. I, I think that Steve Eiserman and Pat Verbeek used to be there. Now it's Sean Horkoff, who's got a little bit higher profile there. Chris Draper. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Detroit's done a very good job in terms of if you look at their amateur picks over time since Steve's been back or in Detroit from Tampa, I think they've done it very well. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning have done it very well uh, with Julian Breezebois and Matthew Darsh and, and, uh, and Murray, Bob Murray, Al Murray. I think they've done a really good job there. Um, so those are two examples of team. I think the Montreal Canadiens are starting to do it really well, Jimmy. I think that's with Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon there. I think they've really found their way. Uh, Montreal, and they're starting to stockpile a lot of good young players. Uh, Ottawa, I think, has done it well for a long time as well. So there, there are teams out there that are doing well in terms of the chemistry between the two departments. All right. Well, we'll segue it into a team that maybe isn't doing it so well, and it's, it's showing now yeah. uh, on the ice at the pro level, and that's the Edmonton Oilers, Pierre. And look, uh, I'm going to put it right out there. You you called this one from the get-go. I listen to you all the time on our friend's show, on Mitch Melnick's show up in Montreal, and I remember in the preseason when everybody was tooting the horn in the Edmonton Oilers and basically handing them a trip to the Stanley Cup without them even earning it yet. Uh, you, you said, watch out. They might not even make the playoffs. What made you say that at that time, Pierre? What did you see that a lot of people weren't seeing? Uh, goaltending wasn't good enough. I was really concerned about Jack Campbell, who I like very much as a person and as a, as a player. Um, just not sure he's a starting goalie, and I think that proved out. Same thing with Stuart Skinner. Not sure he's a starting goalie. So that was my first uh, question about Edmonton. My second question was, I'm not sure they were deep enough or good enough defensively. And I don't just mean on the defense, Jimmy. I mean – Throughout their lineup, um, I think Derek Ryan's a tremendous two-way player and a very good depth forward. But outside of that, there's not a lot of that in Edmonton. And they're better players, and they are really good in Dreisaitl and McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They're not as committed defensively as you have to be. And because of that, I was really concerned about where they were going as a group mm -hmm. because of the cap issues that they're facing in Edmonton right now because of the dollars they're paying, especially to their top end guys like Darnell Nurse and to McDavid and to Drysaddle and to Nugent Hopkins. 
So that's what made me question, Jimmy, whether they were going to be good enough to really make a push. And right now, obviously, they haven't been good enough. Yeah, and of course now uh, Jay Woodcroft loses his job and, and Chris Knobloch is hired there. But I, I you know, I, I think anyone can say it's it wasn't Woodcroft. It's just one of those things where unfortunately a coach usually pays the price. Yep. Uh, so this isn't on Jay Woodcroft. This is on a guy, actually, Pierre, in my opinion, and a guy that I have the utmost respect for. I, I was a big Red Wings fan growing up and he did a great job with them. But Ken Holland just has not done the job he did there in Edmonton and he's not the only one. And, you know, Pierre, I found this stat and this is interesting. Uh, I didn't realize this, but since McDavid joined the team in 2015, Knobloch is now the fifth head coach there. And of course there's been two general managers uh, or three, I guess, but you know, obviously that's not a McDavid, but what is it? Why, why is it not working for coaches coaching two superstars like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So I'm going to take you back to some experience I have with that question uh, because I've walked in the shoes of a lot of the people that are in Edmonton right now, whether it was as a scout or as a uh, front office person or as a coach. And I remember when I was hired in Pittsburgh uh, by Craig Patrick and Bob Johnson, Scotty Bowman in 1990, it was at the draft in Vancouver. And with the fifth overall pick, the Pittsburgh Penguins took Yarmir Yager. But what I remember the most in those meetings when we were sitting in a boardroom at the Pan Pacific Hotel getting ready for the draft, it wasn't so much about the draft. It was about how we were going to change the culture internally so that guys were going to have fun and it was not going to be club med. It was going to be a hardworking environment. But guys were going to learn on the job. They were going to pay attention to coaching strategies. And it wasn't going to be business as usual for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And eventually, Bob Johnson made it such a great environment that these guys bought in and they they adjusted on the fly. They were more committed defensively. Guys really competed. Obviously, we didn't have to deal with the salary cap back then, Jimmy. But the biggest thing that's the same, we had star players that really bought into playing two-way hockey. In Edmonton, Jimmy, that hasn't worked out yet. And I think that's why there's been so many different coaches over Connor McDavid's career. So if you're Knobloch and you come in and it's your first time sitting down in that room with the team, or let's say even just with those two on their own, what are you telling them? Well, one of the things I would do is is Scotty Bowmanism. I would say to both players, how do you think you're perceived around the league? How do you think our organization is perceived around the league? And if they answer that, well, we're not perceived in a very good light because we haven't been winning, then half the battle is done. Then you can say, okay, I'm here to help you. So how are we going to change the perception? But if they say, well, we're perceived as winners and we're perceived as this and we're perceived as that, then you got a battle on your hands. Now, the good news for Edmonton fans and for uh, Chris Knobloch is his experience, way more experience than people are giving him credit for. He yep. was a great coach in Kootenai. He was an outstanding coach with the Erie Otter where he had Connor McDavid for three years. He was a tremendous assistant coach with Dave Haxtell uh, in Philadelphia. And I can tell you, Philadelphia, I did a ton of games when he was there. And he really made a big impact working with uh, Dave Haxtell. And then I can tell you, uh, I've watched many games of the Hartford Wolfpack, and he has done a really, really good job there in Hartford. And people forget this, Jimmy, and it's really important. He's coached as a head coach in the NHL, obviously on an interim level. He's coached eight games in the league in New York. He's won five. He's lost three. But he did, I mean, really good work replacing David Quinn when David had – COVID issues, and he also replaced Gerard Gallant for two games when Gerard had COVID issues. So when you look at it, 
this guy's got a wealth of experience and winning experience, Jimmy. And I think he can get through because of the previous relationship with Connor McDavid. Yeah, and you, you brought up something there too. I didn't, I forgot about too. So he went through two coaching regimes in New York. So I think that says a lot. Well, obviously, when coaches come in, Pierre, when they're hired, they want to hire their own guys. They want to bring in their own staff. The fact he survived a change there, and there was so much continuity there, that's that says a lot about him. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I again, I watched him really close when he was in Erie, obviously because McDavid was there, and that was a really important time. Yeah for all hockey scouts or people that fancy themselves as being hockey aficionados. Uh, and I thought he was really good there in a very scrutinized situation. And then when he went to Philadelphia, and again, I was talking about doing all those games, I watched him work with his players in practice, and I could see there was a communication skill that he had that is really important if you're going to make younger players in the league better today. And, and that's something that he really possesses, the ability to communicate with young players. Well, no matter how much communicating he does, Pierre, he can't fix the problem between the pipes right now. And we were talking off the air earlier today about that goaltending situation in Edmonton, and but just how it extends even further across the league. And, you know, as I brought up to you, it, pe people are undervaluing goalies now. I don't know when it happened or how it happened, and I, maybe the cap obviously has something to do with it, um, but people are starting to think that they can get away with mid-grade goaltending as opposed to a legit number one. And obviously, like you said to me off the air, I'm spoiled here. I get to see Jeremy Swayman and Linus Almark alternate every game and watch them in practice every day. Not every team has that, but some teams don't even have one of them right now, Pierre. And, and it looks like the Edmonton Oilers are one of those teams. How do you take care of that mid-season? It's really difficult. And you heard Kenny Holland in some of his talking uh, on Sunday when they made the coaching change, you heard him say, look, we're 12 games into the season. It's not easy to find a trade partner. He's spot yeah. on. A lot of teams take between 15 and 20 games to evaluate their group, and then they'll start to make changes. But if you're Edmonton and you continue to lose, I know they're coming off a win, but if you continue to lose, you're basically, by the game 20, if you haven't been able to make your team better, you could probably be out of the playoffs by game yeah. 20. That that's yeah. a hard thing to that's a hard thing to fathom if you're a fan, player, or coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Now let's quickly play those Ken Holland comments right now. Ames and over the last, uh, you know, as we got out of the gate and we've been, uh, you know, early on, you figure you're going to turn it around. You're into Game Three, your Game Four, Game Five, and as it started to, as our record continued to uh, get worse, Jeff and I have had uh, talking on a more than an everyday basis, probably two or three times a day over the last, uh, especially the last week, trying to figure out solutions. I've been on the phone here uh, trying to talk to other teams to see what's out there, but uh, in terms of trades, you know, but when you're 12 games into a season, um, not a lot of teams, you got to have a trading partner. So uh, kept hoping we were going to win a game, kept hoping we were going to win a game. And really after we lost the game against San Jose on Thursday night, Jeff and I started to talk uh, really seriously about um, should we consider making a coaching change and obviously made a decision to uh, to make that decision. So, uh... so Pierre, first one question too. I'm just curious because you, mm -hmm. you've been in situations like this. You've been behind the scenes. Why wait until after that San Jose, or after that game on Saturday when they win to make the change? Why wasn't the change made, you think, say Friday? Because uh, I, I think they knew that they were in trouble and just needed time to talk to make okay. sure Chris Knobloch was a guy. And one of the things that's being way underreported on this, Paul Coffey, 
going behind the bench now, the legendary defenseman who I had the privilege of working with and coaching in Pittsburgh. Um, Paul's going to be an assistant coach there. And I think depending on how he messages, he could have a monumental impact there. He's a revered person in the community. He's an Edmonton Oiler great. I really know the players there respect him a ton. And he could really influence what ails Edmonton the most, Jimmy, and that is their defensive awareness. Not just not just on the defense, but with the forwards too. And yeah. he played, you know, people forget this about Paul. Paul played for a lot of great coaches, a lot of great coaches. So if he takes mm-hmm. a little bit from all those coaches, Scotty Bowman, Glenn Sather, Mike Keenan, you, you start doing the math where he played over time. It's pretty amazing. And so if Paul can take some of those resources he accum- accumulated over time, he could really make a difference and help Chris Knobloch as well. Yeah, true. And it's interesting you bring that up because I, I was actually going to go to that with you, Pierre. Is I've heard from people on the ground there that over the past, say, six to eight months, he's had a much bigger voice in that organization. That's something that's been building there. And it, it, when he was hired just now to go back behind the bench, that didn't surprise me as much because I felt like maybe he was going to get more involved. You are a hockey man, my friend, because last spring I was at the Mario Lemieux Fantasy Camp in Pittsburgh, which is an amazing experience, by the way. Uh, if you're I got to go next year. Hockey <laughs> guy, I had the chance to work on the ice with the players, and I'll never forget Mario saying to me, run it just like the practices used to run for us. So the first day I do that, the first day I do that, and the guys are looking like, oh, no, this can't be a week of this. We're going to be dead. So I kind of scaled it back a little. But one of the players we had there, obviously, was Paul Coffey. And uh, we had some great talks uh, at that fantasy camp. And I could see there was something churning inside of him that wanted to get back on the ice with the players. And uh, now he's getting his opportunity. I couldn't be happier for Paul. I really couldn't be. And above him and Knobloch is obviously Ken Holland, as we mentioned, but Jeff Jackson as well, Pierre. And I'm wondering, is this the, the ultimate beginning of the transition into the Jeff Jackson era? I would say yes. And remember now, Jeff was also Connor McDavid's agent when Connor was coming out. Right. So now you've got Chris Knobloch, the former coach of the Erie Otters, who was there for oh, three yeah. years. You got Jeff Jackson, who represented yep. McDavid. So you know that Jeff and Knobloch talked a lot before Connor was drafted by Edmonton. So I would say you are spot on, my friend. I would say that this is the yeah. beginning of a turnover in Edmonton in terms of philosophy and how they're going to structure and build their team. All right. Well, you mentioned before that 20-game mark. I know, Pierre, you've always pointed out, and now I use it as well, is that you know American Thanksgiving yep. is that cutoff date. Mm-hmm. How many games I, – I mean, let's – I'll pull it up right now. I should have had it before. But we'll look at their schedule up here, and I want to know what you think they have to do, what their record needs to be before Thanksgiving. And, you know, can they survive this? Can they pull this out? Well, it starts tonight, Jimmy, with the New York Islanders who are on a skid as well. So I would just tell you that if, if they don't get winning starting tonight, it's going to – every day gets harder and harder for them. And you have to remember now, a lot of people weren't expecting Anaheim to get off to this kind of a start. A lot of people weren't expecting Arizona to get off to this kind mm-hmm. of a start, and good for them. And Logan Cooley, you talked about young players before. Holy shnikes. Watch that guy play. He's a I ton know. of fun. He's a human highlight reel, Logan Cooley yeah. in Arizona. So a lot of people weren't expecting that. Winnipeg's off to a very solid start, so I think people weren't expecting that. Um, and so for Edmonton and Vancouver, obviously probably the hottest team in the league when you think about or a preseason expectation and where they are now under Rick talking at Adam Foote, it's been phenomenal. 
So for Edmonton, they got to start winning tonight on Monday against the New York Honors. And if they don't, Jimmy, I think it just becomes harder and harder for them to get traction in the standings. So they've got two. You mentioned the Islanders, and then they play the Kraken at home on November 15th on Wednesday. Uh, and then, Pierre, they go on a four-game road trip, which actually, in my opinion, is the best possible thing that could happen to that team right now. Get the hell out of Dodge. Start to bond again as a team. Get to know your new head coach. It's a blessing, I think, to have that road trip right now. So they got a four-game road trip that concludes on uh, Friday, Black Friday in the States on November 24th. So, you know, you look at that right now, let's just say six games. Pierre, they got to go five and one at worst, in my opinion. Well, I, I was going to say four, two, and one. Okay. I wouldn't say more than that, but I would say four, two, and one. And if they do four, two, and one, I think they can get back into the hunt. I think anything 500 or worse – it's going to be really hard for them to get traction, really hard. And you know what? We're going to, we're going to close this up soon, Pierre. But, I, you know, you brought up Anaheim. You brought up Arizona. Those are two teams for sure as we go on here I want to get into. I was high on Anaheim, and maybe it's because, you know, I, I know Greg Cronin. I grew up with him. I'm yeah. good friends with him and his family. Uh, so, obviously, a little favoritism there. But still, when I looked at the just the roster he was inheriting – and then I know what he can bring to the table. I said, there could be a good mix there. And sure enough, it's really he's really rubbing off on that team right now. And you mentioned Carlson and then Arizona too. So, you know, for the teams that have been the elite teams for a while now, there's turnover coming. And and if you don't keep up with the Benjamins, you're in trouble. Yeah, no, that's well said. And, and the thing about Greg Cronin is he brings standards that we were alluding to before. And I think the young players are appreciating the standards that he and Pat Verbeek, the general manager there, are implementing. Look at the start for Mason McTavish. Look at the start for Pavel Minchnikov, a 19-year-old defenseman who's playing phenomenal. Look at Leo Carlson, who we talked about before. Um, you know, you can go down. Troy Terry's off to a tremendous start. So they're getting it done there. And they have way undervalued goaltending with Gibson and Dostal uh, yeah. in Anaheim. But I look at Arizona and I see what's going on there and getting Logan Cooley to turn pro this summer out of the University of Minnesota. That's a huge thing for them. And they've got some harder players to play against and going into the mullet arena. And I've been there to watch college hockey and pro hockey. That's a hard place to play. I know there's not a ton of people there, Jimmy, but that's a freaking hard place to play. Yeah, players have told me that here. They said you know, that. They said it's, it's hard, almost harder than here in a bigger league. Yeah, because well, you have, have to trivia. right on top of you. I have a little right. trivia for you. I have a little trivia for you. The first visiting player in any game to score a goal in Mullet Arena, do you know who it is? No. Ryan McGuire. He plays for Colgate University. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> nice. Nice. When was that, Pierre? That was last year when they opened the building. Um, okay. They played a two-game series out there. It was a lot of fun. The fans were phenomenal. The quality of play was great. I, here's one thing I can tell you if you're a college hockey fan. I would expect Arizona State, Jimmy, within the next five years to be a legitimate contender to win the NCAA championship. That's how great a program they're building there. That's great. And I heard that the players, you know, some of the Bruins players told me, too, the ice was great. To yeah, no, everything's great. It's a first – everything's first class at Arizona State in terms of hockey. And uh, I just love going out there to watch games. It's it's really a great environment. Good stuff. Well, you know it's going to be a great environment is this podcast, Pierre. And I'm really excited about this. Uh, we're really looking forward to this. We're going to do it every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're just recording, pre-recording this week, but then we'll switch to live next week as we go through the season. And – 
who knows? We might be uh, talking about the Oilers again uh, next week, and maybe they turn it around or maybe they don't. We'll see. But, Pierre, this has been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I can't wait to break down the eye test with you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you so much, Jimmy. I'm really looking forward to this as well. And for the hockey fans out there, there are no stupid questions. Don't be afraid to get in touch with us, and we'll do our best. Both That's Jimmy great. I'll set something up for that. Yep, yep. I will we'll do the that best we can sure. to get you good answers. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, this he's Pierre McGuire. I'm Jimmy Murphy. This has been the first episode of the Eye Test on the Sick Podcast Network. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.